today, we're going to do what we always do, and we're going to let God's Word speak to us. So we're launching into a new four-week series called Things Jesus Never Said. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks leading up to Easter is we're going to look at some of the words that are in red in your Bible. If you've ever flipped through it and wondered why are they red, well, those indicate the words of Jesus. It means that Jesus said these, and there are even Christians known as red-letter Christians who emphasize that these words even matter more. But to truly understand the power of the truth of what Jesus said, sometimes it helps to also look at what he didn't say, or what he could have said, and what I might have said. But what he didn't say helps us understand the power of what he actually did say. So today I want to look at what Jesus didn't say about forgiveness. So I'm going to introduce it this way. How many of you have a Facebook friend who just drives you nuts? They're like an annoying Facebook poster. Anyone? Show of hands. You're just like, oh, not this person. They fill up my feed. And if your hands aren't up, it might be you. Just saying. <laughs> but let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they post. <laughs> He didn't say this. He didn't say, fool me once and I'll forgive you. Fool me twice and I'll give you hemorrhoids. <laughs> he didn't say it. Now, if I had his power, I might have, <laughs> but he didn't say it. And then Jesus never, ever said, sorry, you've sinned too much for me to forgive you. I can forgive everybody else, but you really get on my nerves. <laughs> so thank God for his grace and the forgiveness that we receive freely through his son, Jesus. And as we talk today about what Jesus did say about forgiveness, we're going to look in Matthew's gospel. We're going to be focusing in Matthew 6 and a little bit of Matthew 5, but we're diving into a portion of a sermon that Jesus gave, and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 6, in this chapter, part of the sermon, Jesus was actually teaching his disciples, his followers, how to pray. And some of you may be new to this, you don't really know how to pray. Well, Jesus was very, very specific, and he was teaching them and us how to pray. And at the end of his teaching on prayer, he kind of gave like a PS or a postscript and a couple of sentences about the topic of forgiveness in the prayer. So that's what we're going to focus on today. So how do you pray? Jesus said this in verse 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. Then Jesus said, our Father. Can everybody say with me, our Father? Our Father. Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Then let me highlight what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, forgive us our debts, though we're still holding grudges against other people. He didn't say, I'll forgive you, but you don't have to forgive what someone else did. What Jesus said in verse 12 is, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That in verse 14, he's finished teaching how to pray and he gives us additional thoughts on forgiveness. This is what Jesus did say. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I want to read this to you again because I want to let it sink in for just a moment. 
This is what Jesus said. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's what Jesus said. They're intense and they're sobering words. But have you ever realized in the middle of a message that you are holding a grudge against someone, that you are carrying unforgiveness? It can be uncomfortable, and it can be extremely awkward if you go to the same church and you're sitting there like, oh yeah, it's that person. <laughs> and it's even more awkward when you're the preacher preaching on it, and you look out and you're like, oh yeah, there, there's someone sitting here. And you see, back when I was a youth pastor, there was a lady, I'm going to call her Karen. Actually, that's not a good name, because there was a Karen on the board at the time. Let's call her Betty. Betty was on the board, and she just tried to, I, she was out to just say no to anything I would, I would put forward. Like, let's try this. No. Let's do this. No. And our youth ministry, it was growing. It was exploding. Our church was growing because the families were coming in, and it was, it was exciting. But she just put her foot down every time she could, and it was just driving me nuts. And even the lead pastor, I know, it was driving nuts. But I never talked to her about it. I just let this resentment and this unforgiveness build. So then when I'm up there preaching and I look out and I see Betty sitting there staring at me, I'm kind of like, oh man, how can I say these words and be preaching these words while Betty knows sure well that I'm not impressed with her and I'm holding these grudges against her? Man, it gets awkward quickly. And I'm sharing this because some of you are going to have a similar unsettling moments with God. And perhaps even this morning, you come to church, you feel like everything's good, and suddenly you recognize the very sobering words of Jesus and that they might have a direct impact on your life because you too have a grudge or unforgiveness in your heart. Perhaps you're carrying a grievance against someone who wronged you, hurt you, disappointed you, let you down, betrayed you. And whenever I talk about this subject of forgiving others, it creates a lot of emotion, and rightly so. Oftentimes, when I talk to someone about forgiveness, they get fired up, and they're kind of like, yeah, but Kev, you don't know what this person did to me. Like, it, it triggers something. It hits a nerve. Like, when somebody's devastated because their spouse cheated on them, and they're in so much pain, so then telling them, well, you need to forgive, well... It seems almost cruel because of the, the emotional pain that they're carrying. And maybe you've experienced something similar. A best friend lied to you or maybe lied about you. Maybe someone that you loved or admired, maybe even a Christian figure or a hero of the faith, let you down, wasn't who they pretended they would be. Maybe there's someone you didn't, who didn't pay you what they owed you and left you in a bad place. Maybe someone broke a promise to you. Maybe someone took advantage of you and used you for their benefit. Maybe, and unfortunately for many of you, there was someone who shouldn't, should have loved you and should have protected you, but instead of protecting you, they hurt you. And tragically, there are many people, and likely many people sitting here today, who've suffered very real abuse verbal, emotional, physical, some sexual. And here you are, maybe years later, perhaps decades later, and you still feel that pain and you carry the scars. So if you say for a moment, that's, that's not fair, I'm not ready to deal with this forgiveness stuff, you don't know what someone did to me, I just want to take a moment 
And I want to acknowledge that there are so many wrongs in the world. And let me acknowledge, it, it may have been grossly unfair and brutal. It may have been re- repre- reprehensible what someone did to you. But I want to acknowledge that pain. Sometimes I, I found that there's even another level of pain. And what I mean by that is a lot of people have hurt me personally, but sometimes we can get even more upset when someone hurts or abuses someone else, someone that's close to us or that we love. There's almost this deeper emotion that comes from that because you wish you had have known, you wish you could have done something. And it could be something that happened to a sibling or a friend. Perhaps they were assaulted manipulated, groomed by a trusted leader in the community, and you didn't have the foggiest clue about it. More and more of these stories are coming to light, and thank God for that. But how do you forgive something that seems so unforgivable? How do you forgive something so brutally wrong from someone that you trusted, maybe even respected? How do you live out what Jesus taught us to do? So there's a clue in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in verse 9 of Matthew 6. Jesus said this. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father. It's really interesting to me that Jesus was teaching people to pray, and he didn't tell them to pray, my Father, but he taught them to pray, our Father. Our Father. In other words, God is not just my Heavenly Father, but he's your Heavenly Father. And he's your heavenly father, and he's our heavenly father. And because he's our father, that means we're his children. And our relationship with our siblings, with one another, under God, truly matters. And as a dad, this makes sense to me. I can't wait until my kids grow out of the stage of fighting in the car, but we're not there yet. (laughs) It can even just be like a five-minute ride. Sometimes it's from my house to Freshco, a two-minute ride. And they're getting along fine. And then suddenly, all you hear is, ah, you touched me. And I don't know, it's kind of like a soccer match where those guys like get hit and then they go flailing across. My kids do that in the backseat, like, oh, it's like, what's going on? So I find myself in those moments saying the annoying dad things, which you say that you're not going to say is like, don't make me pull this car over. And I've done that before, but then I pull it over and I'm like, well, now what do I do? (laughs) But as a parent, there's nothing that breaks your heart more than when your children don't get along. And on the other hand, there's nothing that brings more joy than when your children love and honor and respect one another and do get along. You're just like, oh, yes, these are the moments I live for. But when we pray, we're praying to our Father. And our relationship with God's other children really matters to the heart of God. And maybe that's one reason why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, the, the chapter previous. He said, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Before you give your offering, he says, first go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. And what was Jesus saying essentially? If you're going to worship your heavenly dad, don't bring him an offering when you're fighting with his kids. Go get that straight. Make it right. 
first, because that's how much it matters to our Heavenly Father. Go and make it right with your siblings, the, the other ones of God's children. Then come back and worship God. So as a youth pastor with, with Betty, this is what I realized I had to do. And I'm sitting under the teaching one morning. Luckily, I wasn't preaching, but the other pastor is up there, and he's preaching this message, and I'm like, I've got to make things right. And she chose that morning to sit in the front row of the church, and I'm like, oh, what? So after the message, and just before we had communion, I walked up to the front and sat down with her, and I said, look, Betty, like, you know I've been frustrated with you. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just shared my heart, and I said, will you forgive me? I've been holding this against you. And she did. But think about this. Who does unforgiveness hurt? She didn't even know I was really thinking about her too much. But if God is our Heavenly Father, it actually hurts His heart when his children are not treating each other with love and honor and respect, when we're not getting along. And who else does it hurt when there's unforgiveness? It hurts the person who is not forgiving. It poisons their soul. It changes your perspective. You find yourself seething in anger at somebody. And the worst part is, they're not even thinking about you. If we live with bitterness, resentment, hatred, then we continue to let the wounds stay infected and they poison our soul. Someone once said this, that you may be living in a prison of offense. Someone hurts you weeks ago, months ago, years ago, decades ago, you're in a prison of offense. But you know what? Forgiveness is the key that sets you free from the prison of offense. It sets you free. It opens the door. Unfortunately, this took me way too many years to learn. Again, back in my youth ministry days, let's say that that's when I made all the mistakes. <laughs> I had a major run-in with the lead pastor. We could not see eye to eye at all. And it came to a head about two years into my youth ministry. And he had a sliding door, kind of a patio door going into his office. And I just remember we're both up in arms yelling at each other. And I slam his sliding door and I call Amanda and I'm like, pack your bags. We're out of here. And, oh, I was mad. Incredibly enough, we were able to restore that relationship. But it was never the same. I, I stayed on as the youth pastor for another three years. And we did our best to support one another. We were kind of like, water and fire or fire and ice with a like just two opposing things so when we when we got along man we were unstoppable but when there was friction it was tough it strained our relationship and there was so much unforgiveness on my part which eventually led me to submitting my resignation and i decided that i was going to take a break from ministry so i could finish my master's degree full-time before having kids and re-entering ministry God had different plans, but that's another story for another day. But one of the courses I had to take in my master's was CLD 532, Power, Change, and Conflict. And believe it or not, the final assignment for the course was a personal conflict research paper. So for this assignment, I had to visit for at least one hour with a person with whom I had a conflict within the last six months. I had to tell the person I am trying to understand my personal reaction to conflict, and I would like you to help me. Remember the conflict we had about blank? 
it would really help me if you could describe for me from your perspective how I responded to and handed, handled that conflict situation. This is straight out of my syllabus. And then one final note the professor put in there was, I could not challenge or dispute the observations offered. Whew, I just had to sit there and take it. Like, I'll admit, like I had one other option I could have done for a final assignment. But when I was meeting with my ministry mentor, which was part of the program, he was the associate pastor of that church, and he just said, Kev, don't take the easy way out. You know what you've got to do. It's time for you to forgive. I'm like, oh, Ken, but it's so hard. But you see, Ken had his own past hurts, and they were some doozies. But he shared with me how he and his wife worked through them. He reminded me that there wasn't a quick fix, that, that it was a process, it would take time. And while Ken would be the first person to say that he hadn't done everything perfect, it was so encouraging to talk to somebody who had been in my shoes, yet had faithfully worked through his hurts and had grown from them. So I knew that God was using him to nudge me to forgive. So I changed my perspective. I, I decided, okay, I need to forgive the offense. And you know what? It set me free. It didn't happen immediately. It it started to, but I ended up meeting with my previous pastor at Starbucks, and what was supposed to be this one-hour conversation turned into at least a three-hour conversation. Amanda was panicking. She's like, it's either going really well or it's gone terribly wrong. But it was an incredible conversation, and it probably helped that he knew I couldn't talk back. I couldn't defend myself, and if I tried to, he's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> But you know what else happened? For the first time in the five years of working together, he actually began taking some of the responsibility, saying, I know I hurt you here. I know I did this wrong. And he started asking for forgiveness. And we left that day on the best terms that we could have possibly left on. Jesus had healed and restored our relationship. But what I believe led to this moment was the fact that so much earlier, by changing my perspective, by choosing to forgive, I had already been set free. So whether that conversation did go well or didn't go well, I was free. It didn't matter anymore. And there are those of you that you're living in a prison of offense. You're in the prison, and forgiveness is the key that's going to set you free, that's going to unlock the door. And you may say, good story, Kev, good for you. I'm not there yet, not even close. So what do I do if I'm overwhelmed with hurt, anger, bitterness? Well, Matthew chapter 5, the very same sermon that Jesus was preaching earlier, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he said. He said, you all have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, Jesus is speaking to a culture that believed in justice, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Someone wrongs you, you wrong them back. That was the direct culture Jesus was speaking into. You've heard it said, hate those who hate you. But then he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What do you do when you're angry, when you're hurt, when you're bitter? You start by praying for the person who offended you. You start by praying for the person who let you down. You start by praying for the person who abused you. And you may say, well, I don't feel like praying. I get it. I understand. If I had waited until I felt like praying for my pastor, 
I'd probably still be waiting today. But forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a decision. So my prayers, honestly, when I started praying for him, were just like, God, do something to this guy. Well, do something in this guy. Work in his heart. And over time, what happened is my heart started to soften until I was genuinely able to pray, use him to further your kingdom. Bless him. Bless his family. Bless his ministry. Help him to thrive. And I didn't get there on day one. It took me quite a while to get to that point. But it set me free. And my heart started to change. My prayers, my heart started to evolve. And here's what I found about praying for those who hurt you. Your prayer for those who hurt you may or may not change them, but it always changes you. So what do you do? You've heard it said, hate your enemies. But Jesus says, I tell you, pray for those who persecute you. You pray. Prayer is a God-honoring place to start. And then as God works on your heart, there will be a time and it will be a process and it may not happen immediately or it may happen immediately. And praise God if it does. But at some point, you'll recognize as I've been forgiven, with God's help, I'm choosing to forgive. Because forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. And what I love about the word forgive in the Greek language is that it literally means, it, do, it doesn't mean to just sweep it under the carpet. It, it means to hurl it away, to throw it away, to cast it out of your life. So it's not pretending like it didn't happen. It's not explaining it away, but it's, it's hurling the poison as far away from you as possible so that you can move on with your life. It's to rid yourself of it. It's to let it go. So how do you do this? Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says this. He says, bear with each other. And let's be honest. There are some people it takes a little more grace to bear with than others. But he said, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. So how do you do it when you're hurt? How do you do it when you've been betrayed? How do you do it when you feel like every bit of trust has been ripped out of your heart? You forgive as the Lord forgave you. In the same way that our good God has given us what we don't deserve, what we could never earn, that's the same way we forgive those who hurt us. And I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross... Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We give it as we have received it. And believe it or not, there have been many times I've screwed up in life. <laughs> I've done things I shouldn't have. I've said things I shouldn't have. And I remember this one time I'd been emailing a friend my frustrations about another person and somewhat making fun of that person. And I accidentally forwarded the conversation on to that person. The sad part is it, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it was a pre-COVID, let's say that. <laughs> oh, man. But what made it worse was I didn't realize I'd done this until I was in this person's office. And they said, hey, maybe next time you forward me an email, you might not want to make it about me. And I'm like, what? 
And then they told me some of the things I had said. And it, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't, but it, it was things that you don't say to their face. It, it was gossip. It, 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 it was wrong. And ouch, I had nowhere to hide. I had no excuse. So I just swallowed hard. I fell on the sword. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And without hesitation, they said, of course, that's what we do. And that's why I called you out on it. You see, this person understood that we forgive as the Lord forgave us. This person understood God's grace and forgiveness and was therefore able to offer it to me. And man, that's how I want to be with people too. If that were the other way around, I want to be able to say, absolutely, of course I forgive you. How many relationships could be restored if we're just honest with one another? How many relationships would be healed if fathers and sons would embrace one another and forgive one another? What if mothers and daughters would hurl it away, let the words be in the past, let the letdowns be gone, and embrace and forgive in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us? What if husbands and wives could also forgive one another? And yes, adultery is grounds for divorce, but it's also grounds for forgiveness. What if somehow in the same way that we've been forgiven by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we could find the same grace to forgive someone else? How many people could be set free? Jesus wasn't overbearing, mean, harsh, or lacking empathy when he loved us toward forgiveness. He was doing it to help us heal, to help us be free. And I like what Pastor Dave Willis said about forgiveness. He says this, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. So let me tell you what Jesus did not say. Jesus didn't say, I'll forgive you, but you don't have to forgive other people. He didn't say, treat people however you want. We're good. He said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Church, forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free. And you realize the prisoner was you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I pray for miracles that go beyond our human ability to understand. I acknowledge right now that I'm speaking into, in many cases, immense and unbearable pain unjustified abuse, horrible abuse. And God, I, I ask for the grace that you've given us to overwhelm and help overcome all the injustices that we experience on this earth. God, I pray for miraculous healing and restoration in relationships that seem unrepairable, that you would do what only you can do. And for those of you who, kind of like me, you walked into church and you realize, oh, I'm holding a grudge. I've got unforgiveness in my heart. There's still bitterness there. God, help me to hurl it away. Help me to let it go. If you find yourself there today, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? God, I empathize with those who are hurting today. And at the same time, I thank you for your grace and your presence We ask for the power of your spirit to do a work in our hearts. And God, 
even though we may be angry, and rightly so, we just take a moment. And maybe we don't even feel it, but we pray for those who hurt us. God, we pray that we would experience your goodness, your grace. God, we pray that they would know you, find healing in you. God, we ask that you would do a work in our heart. And I know for some it's even happening right now. I know for others this may be the beginning or another part of the process. But God, help us by your power, because of your grace, undeserved, to forgive others even as you have forgiven us. As we keep praying this morning, there may be those of you who recognize you've done a lot of things wrong. If we sat down and I asked you how you're doing spiritually, you might say, I'm not really sure. I don't know where I stand with God. I hope I've done enough good to overcome the bad, but I don't know. The problem is that any type of sin against God is real, and all of us have sinned against God. His standard is actually perfection. But because of our sin, none of us are right with God. But this is the reason why God sent his son Jesus to us. The sinless son of God. To be a ransom, to pay the price. To claim victory over death and sin. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. Without any blemish. Was the final sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, who never wronged anyone. Who never sinned against God. He went to the cross perfect and holy and became sin in our place. He died, but on the third day, God raised him from the dead, defeating death, hell, sin, the power of the grave, so that anyone that includes you, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how dark your life is right now, it doesn't matter how bad you've been, when you call on the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. They're hurled away. They're separated as far as the east is from the west. God forgives you. Perhaps this is the reason you're here today. Call on his name. He hears your prayers. You are forgiven. You are made new. Those of you who say, yes, I need his grace. I turn from my sins. I'm turning towards Christ. I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Lift your hands so I can celebrate with you. Praise God. Call on his name. Cry out to him, the one who saves. Let's all, all pray that, Heavenly Father, we give you our life. Forgive us of our sins. Make us brand new. Fill us with your spirit so we can follow you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life now. You have mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.